Thanks for listening to the LifePoint Church podcast. Visit us online at lifepointcentral.com. We're going to wrap up a series, and the series is called The In Crowd. Everyone say The In Crowd. Say, why, why do we call it the in crowd? Well, I, I looked up that phrase, in crowd, and it means this. Uh, it's a small group within a larger group that is influential. It's a small group within a larger group that is influential. And sometimes people become influential because they're popular, they have prestige, they have power, they have resources. But, but if we're talking about that in the context of, of a church atmosphere, we should want to be on the in crowd, and I'll explain to you what that means. If the in crowd is those who are influential, I want to be in the in crowd. Let me define influence to you. Okay, Influence is defined this way. It's the capacity to have a persuading force on the beliefs and behaviors of others. So if I'm on the in crowd, that means I'm influential. And I have this capacity to have this amazing impact on people's beliefs and people's behaviors. And the reason why I'm talking about influence in this series is because I believe that as a believer, we we are um, responsible, we are called, and we're we're really equipped to have an impact on the world around us. Let me break that down. I believe uh, as those who attend this church, we're, we're supposed to have special impact on our community, on our region, on the environment around us. And so that's why we're doing this series. You may not feel influential, but you get full of Jesus and you, you become influential. Thank you for the enthusiasm there. Um, you become passionate about Jesus and you just become influential and God will put you in situations and places and you might be saying, but I'm kind of a quiet person. Well, they say this, even the most introverted person will influence, directly influence over 10,000 people in their lifetime. That, that's for you introverts. For those of you who don't know how to be quiet, you, your, your influence is even greater than that. But really, I, I just want you, everybody's evaluating. Like We're looking at certain people. We're like, um, but, but I believe influence has to be something that you and I become a lot more intentional about. Remember when you first came to Jesus and you just wanted to influence everybody? Um, I believe God wants to stir that back up in you. I believe he wants to um, stir that back up in your heart and your intentions. And, and, and so you say, what does the Bible say about that? Well, Mark chapter 16, Jesus said this himself. He said, go into the world and go everywhere and announce the message of God's good news to one and all. And if they believe and they're baptized, they will be saved. If they don't, they, they damn themselves is what scripture says. But Jesus said, you need to get up and go into the world. I've mentioned this, but this was new language for Jewish people because up until this time, everything had been about the Jewish religion. It was all about Jewish people. And now um, with the new covenant, with, with Jesus coming, Jesus is saying this message isn't just a Jewish message. This is a message for the Gentile world. And Jesus said, you got to get up and you got to go where people are. You got to go. And so the Bible says, go into your world. Well, Sometimes people read that and they think, I, I have to go to Africa. Well, if God wants you in Africa, you'll have a heart for Africa, but your world is your sphere. It, it's where you work. It's where you, it's your neighborhood. It's the school that you attend. It's, it's the place where you're at. God has put you there and you're to be an influence on that atmosphere. You're to be an influence on that, in that sphere. That's why God put you there. How many know um, there's some people, is there any, anybody around you that, that you know need impacted by the, by the message of grace? 
Well, guess how they get impacted? You. God stuck you there. So I just want Jesus to touch them. The only way Jesus touches them is guess through, well, guess through who? Through you and me. And so that's why Jesus said that. He said, go announce. And I love this. He said, announce the good news. How many know the gospel? Actually, the word gospel means this sounds too good to be true. That's what the word gospel means. But you know the gospel means good news, not bad news? How many know it's good news that Jesus died for you to forgive your sins? That message still works today. The Bible said it's the good news that leads people to what? Repent and come to Jesus. Your life ought to be about good news. There's nothing worse than a believer, quote, unquote, that's full of bad news. This world needs no more bad news. All we have is bad news and fake news. We need some more good news. That's the gospel. And the gospel is not a doctrine. The gospel is a person. His name is Jesus. His last name is not, his last name is not Christ. <laughs> Jesus Christ, which means the, the chosen one, the, the Messiah. Amen. That's, that's the good news. And, and the, 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 the phrase announce actually comes from a Greek word that means uh, a, a karuks is a person that the king would send with an official message. So you, you are the official messenger of the good news, of the gospel. If people don't hear the good news, they don't see the good news, they don't experience the good news, don't blame Jesus. Amen. Elbow somebody and say, it's getting good up in here. All right. So let, let, let's wrap this series up. And, and as I mentioned, we'll have some guests next week. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, this is such a cool passage, um, starting at verse 17. Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, that means if there are any believers in the house. If there's a believer in the house, give me a whoop, whoop. Some of you are not sure. So the Bible says if anyone is enfolded, that means if you're a believer in Christ, you have become an entirely new person. How about that? Everything that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. Just let me step over here and tell you what that means. That means if you are born again and you have given your heart and your life to Jesus, the Bible actually says you are a new creation. That means, it actually in the Greek means you are a species that did not exist before. Here's what that means. When you were born again in your spirit, your spirit was made perfect. Absolutely perfect. Your spirit is brand new. It's in relationship with God. Now, your flesh didn't get saved, and guess what? Your brain didn't either. That's why the Bible says you need to be renewed every day in your thinking. Romans says that. Be renewed. Re be remodeled in your thinking. I call it stinking thinking. So everything that Jesus needs to do to you and put in you, he downloaded it in you. Your mind just has to be renewed to the work he has already done, to what is in you. So you are stronger on the inside, and you just have to keep knowing what Jesus said about that. That's why the Bible said you need to get in the Word and let the Word change your stinking thinking. Somebody say, that's good. All right, let's read on. And God has made all things new, and he has reconciled, big word, I'll get to that. He has reconciled us to himself, and he has given us the ministry of reconciling others to him. I'll come back to that in a minute. In other words, it was through the anointed one that God was shepherding the world. He wasn't even keeping record of their transgressions. And he has entrusted to us the ministry of opening the door of reconciliation to God. So we are ambassadors of the anointed one. 
And we carry the message of Christ to the world. As though God were tenderly pleading with them directly through what? Our lips. So we tenderly plead with you on the behalf of Christ. Turn back to God and be reconciled to him. So there's that verse in these scriptures, that, that phrase, and it says this, God has made all things new and reconciled us to himself. So let me just give you another phrase for that. That's called life change. The word reconcile means God is reestablishing a close relationship with us. So the Bible said this, he has reestablished a close relationship with us, or he has reconciled us. We went from disfavor to favor with God. How I many know it's better to be on God's side than against God? So that's what, if you are a believer, that's what you have experienced in your life. You have come in, you have been reestablished into close relationship with God. You are no longer an enmity, enmity. you are no longer an enemy of God. You are now in close relationship with God. Isn't that cool? That's called life change. Your life has been altered by the power of Jesus. Your life has been changed. You may not be completely there yet on the outside, but man, on the inside, you are in, you, 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 all things have been made new. You say, I still sin, but you don't sin like you used to. You're an amateur now. You used to be a professional sinner. Some of y'all know what I mean. You are, you are doing better while the power of spirit and life is working in you. It's working in you. The power of grace has got you. It's working. If you allow God, he's working. He's working. Thank God he's working on you. But then he says this other thing. He said, not only were you reconciled to himself, you have now been given the ministry of reconciliation. If you are a Christ follower, follower you are in the ministry. See, what kind of ministry? Of bringing people into close relationship with God, reestablishing close relationship with God. Or, or you have experienced life change. You now have the ministry of, guess what? Life change. You're not undercover. You're not a secret agent. You have the ministry of bringing people into favor with God or bringing people into close relationship with God. Isn't that cool? So what will we call that? That's called influence. Influence is our responsibility. It's our privilege. I believe it's our obligation. And you get influence one of two ways. By permission. Someone grants it to you. They, they, they give it to you by, by permission. Or you get it by position. Position or permission. Here's the difference. Um, if you have a title on your desk at work or on your cubicle or on your office door at work or you uh, are in a position where you, you, you are an instructor or a leader or a boss or with, with some of you, I, I have influence because of my title, that's positional influence. But permissional influence is when no matter what your title is, how you treat people, how you interact with people, what you do, the investment you make into people, they give you permission to influence them. Now, there's nothing wrong with the tracks you put on people's car windows to come to church, but, but, but that's not permission influences when you're the track. And the way you've lived your life gives you influence with people. Positional influence is okay, but permissional influence is when people open their heart and say, 
I'll let you influence me because there's something in your life that's attracting me. It's that gospel thing working, working in your heart and working in, in, in your life. But what if I said this to you? What if I said to you that we're responsible to manage the influence we've been given? We use Bible words like steward. Just like you steward or manage your money or your gifts, we also have to manage this influence and the opportunities that you and I have. There's people that God has you around that are probably the people that are annoying you. You've been praying for God to take them out of your life, and God said, I'll put you in their life. Everybody picturing somebody right now? <laughs> but, but I want you to know that every, every word you speak matters. Every action, every deed matters. Why? Because it's all seed. And I want to tell you something. Gospel seed will grow. Gospel seed will harvest. Gospel seed. Good news seed. It brings what? A good harvest. So every word is a seed. Every action is a seed. Are you all with me? So in, in week one, we talked about the power of influence. And I said this, being, being a light in this dark world gives you leverage, gives you influence. When Jesus walked the earth, he was the light. Now, guess who the light is? It's you. It's me. He shines through us. Last weekend, we, we, we talked about the capacity of an invitation, and we said that you're also not only the light of the world, you're the salt. So when you see the word light, it's the word action. When you see the word salt, it's words. So your language and your light gives you what? Leverage. Gives you what? I'm glad you paid attention the last time. I feel great right now. It, it, gives, you, it gives you influence. What I mean by that is your actions and your lifestyle and your language and your words of hope. and It's so influential. It gives you leverage with people. And by leverage, I don't mean manipulation. I mean it gives you a door of influence and impact. So let's wrap this up today. Here's, here's my title just for the next few moments. It's, it's this, The Strength of Inclusion. The Strength of Inclusion. You say, that's a funny word. What, what, what do you mean? So we've talked about salt. We've talked about light. We've talked about influence. We've talked about invitation. Inclusion is the state of being you ready for this? Included. <laughs> it's the state of being included within a group or structure. So we're talking the in crowd, that's a smaller group within a bigger group. Inclusion means you've been included in the group. How many like to be included in the group? No one wants to be an outsider. So there is strength in inclusion. I didn't say exclusion. No one wants a church of exclusion, but we want to be a church that what? Is willing to open our hearts and our arms and our lives and, be, and include people and bring people in. So let me tell you, if light gives you leverage and if language gives you leverage, how about this? Love gives you leverage. I'm going to say love. Now, when I say love, don't all the guys check out on me like, I don't want to hear about love. No, stick with me. I, I, I want to just give you some ideas about love this morning from, from the aspect of love being as influential as your words in your lifestyle. Ready to go? Here we go. Let's make a life point. What, what, how does love give you leverage? How does love give you leverage? One, because love encourages. 
How many know our world needs a little bit of encouragement? There are people around you, you know what they really need? They need some encouragement. They are very discouraged. There is a world full of discouragement. The courage in them has been dissed. They are full of fear. They are afraid. They don't know what to believe or who to believe or how to live or what's in the future. The difference is you know someone who's been in the future and they've promised you what? A good future. Prophesied it in the book of Jeremiah. I know what's in your future. It's good things. It'll give you hope, a destiny, in your final outcome. No matter what happens in the world around you, guess what? There's a future for you. Did y'all get that? That's, good. That's the good news. There's a future for you. Doesn't matter who's in the White House, what party's in control. Doesn't matter what bank goes down. Come on. Doesn't matter what, doesn't matter the next pandemic. Doesn't matter the next disaster. I'm not saying those things aren't important. I'm just saying, but your future is secure. Does that encourage you? Okay, so um, I'm going to say something that I want you to get because th- this will just revolutionize how, you're, how we're supposed to live right now. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Y'all ready for something good? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. It says this, rather let our lives lovingly express what? Truth. Lovingly express truth in all things. Speaking truly, dealing truly, and living truly. Unfolded in what? Love. Let us grow up in every way and in all things into him who is the head, even Christ the Messiah or the anointed one. A lot of translations say it this way. Speak the truth in love. Maybe what your translation says. So let me give you a good example. Let's... um, Let's talk football for a moment. On a football field, at the end of each end zone are two what? Goal posts. Those goal posts have two vertical poles. How many have ever seen one? Um, If you're a Steeler fan, you're used to crossing the goal line, you've seen those. If you're a Browns fan, you have no idea what a goal post is. It's the thing at the end of the end zone. <laughs> okay, so we have, here's what those goal posts, if you give this picture. One of those posts is truth, and one of those posts is love. Now, in the natural, that kicker wants to kick the ball, what? Between the two uprights to score a point. If he veers one way or the other, and it doesn't go over the crossbar in between the poles, guess what? It's out. It doesn't count. It, you see the referee doing this. But when it goes to the middle, it's this. You say, well, what does that have to do with anything? The Bible says we speak and we live and we keep things between truth and love. And if you do that every time, if you get it out one way or the other, because, you know, the Bible says everything should come into what? Balance. Scripturally, it says that. So what's the truth? The truth is it's the content of God's view. 
So the, the, the goal post, the upright post, one of them is the content. In other words, it's God's view on any subject. So the view of God's subject, no matter what, no matter what subject, no matter what topic, no matter what's happening in our society, in our culture, a lot of opinions, a lot of ideology, if it's not between love and truth, guess what? It, it's, it's. So truth is the content of God's viewpoint. Love is the manner or the motivation in which we communicate that content. I'm going to say it again because that, that's good right there. The truth upright is the content from God's POV or his point of view. The other upright is the manner in which we communicate that content. Let me, let me take that just a little bit further. Um, some people, some churches, only communicate God's point of view with truth without love and it's like a hammer of condemnation it's like a hammer of condemnation love if it's just expressed with love it's like offering something without uh, let me explain it this way if I just give you truth, it's like a hammer of condemnation against culture. If it's just love without truth, it's condoning the mess in culture. Are you all with me? So what I need to express is the truth of God's word because it still works, but in a spirit of love. Because there are, there, are, there are some believers that just... Y'all, you know what? You should just expect the world to act like the world. When you were of the world, guess what you used to act like? The world. You smelled like the world. You talked like the world. You, you danced like the world. You, you were in the world. You were of the world. Now you're not. And we're like, oh, don't be surprised the world acts like its father. You should act like your father. But on the other side, we, we also have some other believers and some other churches or ministries that in the name of love, they have forfeited truth. We can disagree with the world and love them. We can have a different political party or view and still love people. It's the biggest lie out there right now. If you disagree with me, we can't love so we, can't, we cannot just take everything that the world is saying in this hour that we're living in and just say because of love, we have to agree with it. Isn't that good? Keep it between truth and love. Let's listen to this. I'll put this down. I thought this was good. Love doesn't tolerate lies and love doesn't tolerate all views, but it does love all people. It just doesn't love the idea or the ideal. In other words, we shouldn't agree with the world when the world disagrees with God. That, that's, that, that's truth. And we shouldn't allow 
our sympathy to cancel out the truth. Because if you do, um, you lose your freedom. Because the Bible says when you know the truth, you're free. When you forfeit truth, you are not free anymore. You can be not free in the name of love. Did y'all get that? You can be not free in the name of love. That's why we need truth. That's why this younger generation, they need to know, they need to feel our love, but they need to know truth. Amen. Did y'all get that? So what love gives us leverage. People are attracted to love and truth. They are attracted to the combination of love and truth. You keep it between love and truth, guess what? It's good. You get outside one way or the other. Have you ever seen a team get so close, all they got to do is kick the field goal and kicker gets up there, he's got one job the whole stinking day. <laughs> he's over there stretching, practicing, and here's his big moment. Gets out there, psh, shanks the ball. Don't be that kicker. That's your moment. That's what they pay you for, that moment. That's what the world is watching for, that moment. Don't, don't, don't shank the kick. Are y'all with me? Are y'all with? So what, how does love give you leverage? Uh, it, it encourages. Here's the second thing. That love not only encourages, love enlists. It enlists. Here's what I mean by that. Um, Hebrews says this. Uh, no matter what, make room in your heart to do what? Love every believer. And show hospitality to what? Strangers. For they might be angels showing up as your guests. ID those who are in prison as though you were suffering with them and, and those who are mistreated as if you could feel their pain. So the Bible says this, that, that we don't, no matter what, we're supposed to make room in our heart to love every believer. What that actually means is we need to stay alert and watchful that we're staying in love with each other. The, the word love here is, is the Greek word phileo, which means brotherly love, which means we need to make sure that we're staying, that love is present among us as believers. Have you ever been to a place where believers and love wasn't in the house? Yeah. Anyone ever been to a church like that? I, I mean, the designating difference in my life and your life is the love of Jesus. And so we got to make sure, the Bible says, first of all, that we're staying in love with each other. Then it says, entertain strangers. Entertain strangers. That means someone that, that, that comes a little different, and the Bible says we're to be hospitable to them. Hosp uh, hospitality in these scriptures means that we're supposed to be friendly, welcoming, loving on people, including people. Hello, inclusion, making people feel at home. I love what Pastor Diane said this morning, that, that, um, that your family. So it means we're to be welcoming, we're to be receiving people, um, we're to put value on, on people. It, it's this idea that in, in Bible times, people would travel, and, and guess what? There weren't Marriott's everywhere. So you would ha house people in your houses. And I've probably told this story before, but this was a few years ago. One day, this, I, I can't make this stuff up, uh, my doorbell rang, I opened the door, and some of you won't remember this person, some of you, uh, of you will. Remember Crocodile Dundee? So for those of you who are too young, there was this movie called Crocodile Dundee. It was this guy from Australia, from the outback, and he had a big knife and a hat, and he talked with an Australian accent. The whole movie was about him. He was at my door. 
I'm not even exaggerating. This guy's at my door, looked just like him, had the hat. And he's like, hey, mate. That's absolutely what happened. I mean, this is not for effect or anything. And I'm like, well, hello. <laughs> it's not something that happens every, you know, every, uh, every week in, in Stonewood. So he, he begins to tell me. So the, the, the background of this story is my neighbor had taken a trip to Australia, met this person. They said, we're going to come to the States one day. She said, when you do, you can stay with us. She was out of town. He was looking to, they were, his family was looking to stay at her house. I was the next door neighbor, so he showed up at my house. He said, what does this story have to do with anything? The, the reason why is because they do that same thing in Australia that they do um, in Bible times, that they would just house people. And so the Bible says this, um, be hospitable when people come through your doors. Be hospitable to bring people to God's house. Being hospitable, being, being inclusive uh, with them, to invite them and, and, and to bring them. It shows that you're putting value. And listen to what the Bible says. It says God will actually test you by sending angels. What if God sent an angel just to see how hospitable we are and y'all were like, you look different, you smell different, you look a little bit different than us. Well, the Bible says he'll test you by sending angels as your guests. There might be some angels sitting here this morning. Look around, let's find them. I remember several years ago, uh, a friend of mine had a church, and he called me, and he said, hey, um, I want to do this thing in my church service. I'm talking about reaching out, being open to people outside of our church walls, and he said, do you have anybody like you could send me that I, I, they could sort of be um, obnoxious in service and said, I've got the perfect person. So I, I sent this guy to him. He shows up. He looked homeless. He uh, looked scraggly. He sat there. He was a little disruptive in service. People wouldn't sit by him. He was taking money out of the offering plate. He was just... So at the end of service, he had him stand up and tell the whole crowd this was staged and we all flunked today because we weren't loving. We weren't open. And I haven't planted anyone here. So if someone's being obnoxious, it's just their gift. Uh, I didn't plant anybody today. You're like, I'm sitting by him. But, but y'all got the message. So the Bible says we, we need to make sure that we're very alert, that we're keeping love in the, with the brothers and the sisters. We need to entertain strangers. And it says we need to make sure that we're identifying those in prison and we're feeling their pain. Well, whether that's a literal prison or whether that's a spiritual prison, the Bible's very clear in this passage that what love does, it, it enlists them. It enlists them to be a part of us. It enlists them to come from where they're at, feel the love of God, feel welcomed, and come and be enlisted among us. That's what love does. Love gives us what? Leverage. And what does leverage do? Leverage encourages. Leverage enlists. And here's the last one. Love empowers. Everyone say empowers. Love empowers. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8 and verse 9. Look what this is. Above what? All. So when you see a phrase like above all, we don't have to, we don't redo that real quick. It actually means, guess what? Above all, priority. Above all, love each other deeply. Why? Because love covers a multitude of what? Sins. Love deeply. It, it means this. We should practice the habit of agape. The word love in this verse is the word agape, which you know this. It's, it's the love of God. It's the God kind of love. But in this particular verse, this is so interesting. 
it means this. It means to strain with all of your muscle, strain with all of your might to help cover people's sins. Strain. Extend with all of your strength, with all of your ability, with all of your energy to cover people's sins. In other words, we are to love people out of their sin, not condemn them out of their sin. We're to help people. And when I say cover, I don't mean like just hide it under the, behind the curtain and don't deal with it. That's not what it means. It means we're, love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't expose their, their faults. It helps them carry their burdens. It helps them to find forgiveness. It helps them to forget and get over their past. That's what, that's how love leverages. I actually know of a church, and I know someone who who came, and they had found themselves um, pregnant. They weren't married, and the church brought them up in front, and they had to expose everything to the crowd of people, and they thought this was a righteous, holy thing. The problem with that picture is if we're going to do that, then those of you sitting over here who have a problem with gluttony, you, you need to come up here too. And the problem with that is those of you who have told a little bit of lie on your taxes over here, you need to come up here too. Love covers a multitude of sin. Love, love delivers people from their sin. Grace gets people out of their mess. Come on, are you with me? If you've been around Jesus so long, you've forgotten about grace and the power of love, then you, 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 you're... you're you're missing it. Are you hearing me this morning? I, I'm not downplaying one bit the, the problem or the power of sin or things in our culture. I'm just saying it's the good news. People don't come out of that because you keep telling them how bad they are. People come out of that because you hear about the good news. There is a Savior. There, there's actually one not holding that against you. There's actually one who went to the cross and bore that on his shoulders. That's the good news. The good news is I'm not perfect yet, but he is perfecting me. But the good news is there's grace. You know what the Bible says? Well, if there's grace, should I go on, you know, is my sin greater than grace? It says no. Grace floods the banks. Grace gets you back on your feet. Grace gets you on the path God wants you to get. That's not downplaying the important, uh, uh, the, the, the impact of failure one bit. It's highlighting the power of the blood of Jesus, of forgiveness, of the goodness of God. Are y'all getting it? So what happens is we want to be those of influence. We want to be influential. We want to be the in crowd. I would encourage you, if you're part of the crowd, get in the in crowd. Here's what the in crowd is. It's those who are just really, really intentional about their influence. Wherever you work, wherever you go, wherever you do, that, that's, that's a different crowd than those who just come to church. That's a different crowd of those who just say they follow Jesus. It's those who are so passionate, so in love with Jesus, that they want everybody else to be impacted by the goodness of God. They're not perfect. Because you know, the Bible, or, or, or not the Bible, but people, people say, have you ever heard someone say, well, I don't want to go to church because it's a bunch of hypocrites. I mean, have you ever heard that? You know what, they're right. They are right. Because we can all be hypocritical sometimes, right? Paul said, I want to do what's right. I don't always do what's right. What do I do? Said, Paul said, woe is me. 
And he said, but I realize there's something else working in me. It's not just the power of death. It's the a, it's a principle of spirit and life that's working in me. I'm not who I was. I'm not quite there yet, but I'm not who I was. God's working in me. So in some form or fashion, there's room for one more hypocrite, right? I don't mean intentional hypocrisy. Don't leave here saying the wrong thing. I'm just saying that we're all in some way a little bit hypocr- hip- hip- hypocritical. And if you just thought what I said, you're like, well, I am not a hypocrite. You are a hypocrite because you just lied inside your head. But that's what love does. Love gives you leverage. When you are willing to encourage people with truth and love, you're willing to enlist people. Come with me to church. And when they come, take really good care of them and then empower them to live the life you've been living. Guys, that's what this is all about. When I first started at LifePoint, I said this. Some of you were here. Most of you weren't. I said, you need to come, come often, and don't come alone anymore. I get it. If you had a church that embarrassed you, you wouldn't want to bring anybody to. Some of you have been to those churches. But a church where people will love them, will be friendly, will love on them, and empower them, make them a part of the thing. You, you, it's safe here. You can bring them. We're not going to do anything weird. Let me just say it this way. We need, we need to empower people to become a vital part of the house that you have experienced life change in yourself. Well, you say, why? Because we're ministers of life change. We carry life change. We carry the ministry of reconciliation. Now, that doesn't mean everybody, you, you, you know, that everybody that God wants to bring in is just unsaved people. Some people have gotten away from God. They're, they're, they're away from God. They knew him at one time, but they're just away from him. Instead of condemning them, that, that let's help them find the blood of Jesus that covers their failures. Let, let's reintroduce them to the Jesus that first saved them, not the one they might have found in a religious setting. Amen? So here's, here's my challenge. We're, we're going to do a song in a moment, but my challenge is Let's just let ourselves get just so fall in love with Jesus that we just want to influence people. And let's start filling up his house in the hour. People are spiritually open right now in the hour that we're in. That's why I'm doing this series. But I just want to warn you, it might make you uncomfortable. How many remember at the end of the service last week? I said, I don't want to tell you a story. We're almost quit. As you can tell, I've almost quit more than once. Years ago, I was, I was a teenager and just, actually, I was attending this church, not LifePoint, just met Jesus, fell in love with Jesus, and just wanted to do all I could to influence people. Remember that day? And you didn't care what people thought? Everything in your life wasn't in order yet. You just loved Jesus. That was before you got religious. That was before you knew everything, you know, back when you were just hungry for God. Remember that? I was just so hungry for God. And, and this is no lie. It's not because of me. It's just um, God started reaching kids I went to school with on the football team. And we, we started, we just started bringing truckloads to church from the football team. There's something that happens different when the football team shows up. When they get, like, touched by God and they worship, they don't worship like this. His muscles are flying, it's flexing, it's, it wasn't proper, it, it wasn't smooth, it was anything but, but man, God moved. 
God moved. And I'll, I'll just prophesy to you right now, God wants to do it again. He wants to do it again. He wants to save some young people in this generation. He wants to save some people around you. He wants to reach some people that are, that are far from him. And he wants to reach some people that have just been away from him. And, and, and I'm, I'm telling you, he, his love is as available right now as it was. I, I, I sense God wanting to move and fill his house up again. And we can be like, amen, pastor. Preach it. Don't want to do anything about it, but you preach it. No, it, it is our life. I, I'll actually, I, I'm going to, I said I wouldn't do anything weird, but I'm about to do something weird. And he can punch me later. I, is my buddy Rob, are you back there? I think that's like it. Dude, could you stand up for a moment? Actually, your wife too. Because uh, I was thinking about this story. Rob is one of those guys who was my bud back in high school and we just came to church. We didn't know any better. We just fell in love with Jesus. But this morning I was thinking about that story and God told me to tell you too that there's a new experience with God coming, um, a fresh wave. Um, there's going to be things you desired. There's going to be things you didn't expect, but God's going to use you too to just, you're going to find people drawn to you and drawn to you. And God's saying, I'm making you a pillar in my house and I'm putting you in a place that you're just, it's probably going to get annoying that people are going to tell you their stories. And God's just going to do something new. I don't know why he wanted me to call you out, and I'm sorry you can punch me later, but... Um, but, but help me out. Just stretch your hand back there. God, whatever it is you're wanting to do in their lives, you're doing something fresh, something new, and you've sensed and felt like God was done with you, and God says, I'm just getting started. I'm just getting started. There's some scripts I'm rewriting. There's some chapters I'm changing, and there's some things as I write that book that will bless your life. Amen. Amen. Thanks, man. Before we do a song, I'm going to ask Angela to, to join me here on stage. This is Angela. I've been doing a little interview at the end of every one of these messages to, just to let you guys meet some people. That So these messages just aren't um, words. But this is Angela. Everyone say, what's up, Angela? So Angela's uh, a part of things here. Is it on? She's going to do a solo for us today. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not only the pastor, I'm the tech guy here. <laughs> so, so tell us how, how, I mean, you're involved here, you love things, you're always telling me how awesome things are, but tell me how you ended up here. Well, I was, at, so sorry, <laughs> I was actually at, at the gym one day, back in 2017, I believe, and I ran into someone that I had known years before. Our boys had been on the swim team when they were young, and now they're all grown, and her name's Stacy. Hi, Stacy. <laughs> and um, we started talking about everything that's been going on in our lives and how things have changed. We weren't in the same place as we were before. She was in a better place than I was. And she told me her story and how she had been going to this church that's changed her life. She invited me, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, that sounds good, you know. You know, I guess inside I really wanted that, but I didn't want to truly admit it. So she actually came and picked me up from my house. <laughs> she came and we did this for a few weeks, and then after a while...